confused <laughs> driving up here, but there's just this strange thing where our worship needs to be pointed to him. It's not selfish. Our service is about him, not about us, but yet he doesn't need anything from us. It's our joy to serve him, and it's for him, but we're the beneficiaries. So wrestle with that, if you will, um, but it's beautiful. You, you know, and that's what I was telling God as I was driving. I said, I don't really get it, but yet it makes perfect sense. Um, it's not about us. So while we're here, as much as possible, it's not about you. It's about God. And as you focus on him, you will be blessed. Um, if you're visiting, we welcome you here. This is a common ground, not common grounds. We're not a coffee shop, Ryan. <laughs> common ground, <laughs> Carson. Um, we are called that because we seek to find common ground with all people. As Paul wrote, I find common ground with all, so I might save some. Um, our mission statement here at Common Ground Carson is to expand the kingdom of God in our lives and the world around us. That is our way of basically saying the Great Commission. But... It's in that order. Our mission is to expand the kingdom in our hearts first, within us, and then to the world around us. Meaning, we believe here that anything that we do of value is simply an overflow of what God is doing in us. So first, we need to aggressively seek an intimate relationship with the Father, which he has provided through his Son. And then we pattern our lives after Jesus, really, because it's Jesus living in and through us. And so what does that look like? And we think it looks like these three relationships, because as we look at Jesus' life, he showed three relationships, up, in, and out, up with the Father. Jesus aggressively sought a relationship with the Father. He got up early to go spend time in prayer. This was Jesus, by the way, and he needed to spend time with his Father. How about you and I? So he sought God first. That's us too, up, seeking God first. And then in, Jesus had an intimate relationship with a few people, with the church. Uh, when he left... There was about 120 or so, but he had his close 12. We know one dropped off. That was Judas. But he sought. He was he was very intentional with his relationship within. For us, that's that's the church, with each other, and then the relationship of out with the world. We have a mission. Our purpose is to be in relationship with God, but our mission is to bring others into relationship with God. It's knowing God and making Him known. That's what we're about. And so out. And so we at Common Ground are intentionally trying to go out into this world to build relationships with people, to bring Jesus into their lives. And we don't love them as an ulterior motive to get a notch in our belt that we saved somebody. <laughs> we love them because Jesus loves them. And in that, we get to share the gospel and pray that the Holy Spirit will convict some and draw them to him. So that's what we're about. And if you're visiting with us, welcome. We're glad that you're here. Um, we have visitor cards on the back table. We'd love to get to know you. Um, we'd love to meet with you, and you can get to know us a little bit and about who we are and our mission. And I put that in Jared's way, so I'll just throw that down there. Um, we have been talking about a better way. That's been our, our series that we wrapped up last week. Um, and the last... Last week, what we talked about, we looked at Jesus and how Jesus said that he must go to the other cities to preach the gospel of the kingdom also. He had been preaching the gospel. He had a, a congregation, you could call it. A big crowd was around him, and they, would, they wanted him to stay. They said they would keep him there so he wouldn't go. But he said, I must preach to the other cities also, for I was sent for this purpose. So what we looked at was that Jesus had a mission, not just to one little group, not just to build a one church, you know, one congregation, but he was going, and it was, he must, because he was sent by the Father. And then we saw that Jesus said, as the Father sent me, I send you. So we, too, have the same mission that Jesus had to preach the gospel. Uh, 
when Ryan came in this week and we found out he was available today, we thought, well, we got to change our plans. We were going to start John today, the Gospel of John. We're not doing that. So I had to adjust a little bit because I want Ryan to have time to share. I thought, God, what do you want to say to us? You know, I'm going to be really brief. That's why you don't even have notes or anything like that. Uh, if you go on the app, there are some notes you can fill in. But what do you want to say to us? And so I, I spent some time in prayer looking at the Word. And basically what I'm going to do this morning is read you a few passages. That's really it. And let God speak to us. But I, I wanted to show you this. We've been seeing that Jesus' mission was to bring the gospel to people. Jesus said, I came to seek and save the lost. We know that as the church, that we have a mission to make disciples of all nations. But did that start with the New Testament? Did that start with Jesus? A lot of times there's this misconception that the God of the Old Testament is different from the God of the New Testament. That the God of the Old Testament was wrathful and judgmental. But the God of the New Testament is now grace. God is the same throughout. Uh, Ryan mentioned Jehoshaphat. Uh, I thought it's important to point out I actually sang a solo when I was about nine years old. Fat, fat Jehoshaphat. Uh, it was the last time I sang in public. <laughs> um, but we, I want to look at the Old Testament a little bit just to get a feel for the heart of our Father. Because what is eternal life did Jesus say? Eternal life is that you know the Father and Jesus Christ whom he has sent. That's eternal life, that we know him. So I want to get to know the Father just a little bit from the Old Testament. So look with me, if you would, at Genesis. Genesis chapter 12 is where we're going to start here. Genesis 12. It's on page 6 if you have one of these Bibles. If you want one of these Bibles, raise your hand. Katie will bring you one. Anybody want a Bible? We use the English Standard Version not because it's the best, just because it's what we've chosen to use. So if you're on your phone, ESV. But I'm just going to read to you Genesis 12, verses 1 through 3. Now the Lord said to Abram, we know him also as Abraham, God gave him a new name. Go forth from your country and from your relatives and from your father's house to the land I will show you. And I will make you a great nation and I will bless you and make your name great. And you shall be a blessing. Now this is... The Abrahamic covenant. God made some promises to Abraham, and we're not going to get really deep into the covenant there, but God made promises to Abraham of things he would do, and he promised him a couple things. Look at this, Genesis 12, 1 through 3. Um, verse 3 says, I will bless those who bless you, and the one who curses you I will curse, and in you all the families of the earth will be blessed. God had promised to make him a great nation. God promised to give Abraham many children. God promised to give him a land. So that's, there's three, real, three parts of this covenant, land, seed, and blessing. He's going to give him the land, and then he's going to give them, him many, many children, make him a great nation, and then a blessing. And part of the covenant is not just that he would be blessed, but that he would be a blessing. Look at that. That's in, in verse 3. He says, and in you all the families of the earth will be blessed. God promised to bless everyone. I, I find that interesting. That God has always had a heart for the nations. When I was 16, some of you know some of my, my history. When I was 16, I went on a missions trip to Fiji. Not because I'm holy, but because I wanted to go to Fiji. And while there, though, I had to wear these 8-inch construction boots, and I had to wear pants all the time and sleeved shirts. And so it, it wasn't all fun and games. Um, I, I wore my makeup, and we did puppet shows. And so it was a, an evangelistic mission. But while there, God really showed me some things. I met some people, a lot of people, that were not like me. In fact, they were very, very different than me. They lived in huts. 
Uh, one day we went on a, we're going on a walk, me and two of the girls in my group, and I'm 16 years old, and they're about the same age, and we're walking through this village looking for people to share Jesus with. And so we're walking along, and we see this man walking down. He's an older man, older gentleman, probably 60s. And we stop him and start talking to him, and he spoke very good English. He said, oh, I'm, I'm going to the store, but I'll be right back. Go into my house. It's right there. So we said, okay. We walked up to his house. We weren't going to go in his house. So we just stood outside and waited for him. And then the lady from across the street came over and said, what are you doing? I said, well, we're waiting for the guy that lives there. She said, oh, come wait in my house. <laughs> so we went in her house and hung out and found out she was his daughter. He got back came and grabbed us and brought us to his house and said, wait here, and he went outside and we watched him. He climbed a tree, pulled bananas off the tree, climbed back down and came in and gave us the bananas. Now, I'm allergic to bananas, but you know what you do when you're polite? You, <laughs> you know? Um, but I learned several things, because as we traveled to villages, there were, there were kids all over, and of course, we were these white Americans, and we were interesting, and, and so they'd go and they'd climb these trees and grab all this fresh fruit and give it to us, and one day we were staying in a, a school and we had been doing puppet shows. We'd been doing all this stuff, evangelistic outreach. And then the whole town kind of came together. And as a line, they walked through the gym, putting down bags of, of food, baskets of food. And we know they didn't have a lot. But, but we had so much, we didn't know what to do with it. And I mean, it was all kinds of fruit and vegetables. It was awesome. It was delicious. But what God showed me in that trip was that Christianity doesn't look like me. <laughs> that the kingdom doesn't look like me. That the kingdom is diverse. And there are people that don't even speak my language that love God much better than I do. And that God loves them as much as he loves me. They lived in these little huts, a lot of them, but they were very happy. And of course, there were those that didn't know the Lord, but God wanted to reach them. Later, I, I moved to Russia. I went on mission trips to Russia. And God continued to show me the same thing, that the kingdom of God isn't exactly the way you think it is, Derek. <laughs> it's not just in your little American box. But there are people I want to reach that don't look like you, that don't speak your language, that have beliefs different than you. And while I was in Russia, I spent some time, I, I started a men's group. And in the men's group, there were, I think, five or six nationalities. And so somebody would say something they just assumed to be true, and the rest of us went, what? And we had to open the Bible to see what was actually true and see what was just our tradition. There were things that I held as an American that I thought were biblical, but then when others said, was that in the Bible? We had to actually open the Bible and look and see. But the point that I wanted to make is, is through my life, God has been showing me there's other people not like you that I want to reach. And I think that's the heart of God that we see in Genesis 12, 1 and 3 with the Abrahamic covenant. He said, in you all the families of the earth will be blessed. Look with me at Psalm chapter 2. Psalm 2, it's page 308 if you're in one of these Bibles. This is a messianic psalm. This is a psalm predicting the Messiah, Jesus we know now, the Messiah, who he is, what he would do. And it starts in Psalm 2, page 308, like this. Why are the nations so angry? Why do they waste their time with futile plans? That kind of sets the context of this, plan, uh, of this psalm, looking at the nations. Why are they all basically roused up against God? And isn't that still true? <laughs> Look at our nation. I mean, our bent is to be against God. Verse 2, Psalm 2, 2. The kings of the earth prepare for battle. The rulers plot together against the Lord and against his anointed one. That's the Messiah. That's Jesus. Let us break their chains, they cry, and free ourselves from slavery to God. Again, that's our position. We, we don't want to be enslaved to God as people. We want to be on our own. We want to call the shots. But now it switches from an earthly view to the heavenly view in verse 4. But the one who rules in heaven laughs. The Lord scoffs at them. 
I don't think this is really God laughing at people and, and, and how they are, many going to hell because they reject him. I think this is just showing how ludicrous it is. It's not a funny laugh. It's how ludicrous that anybody would go against the creator God, the one who made it all that we would say we think we're better and we could re rebel against him. So he laughs and he scoffs. Verse 5, then in anger he rebukes them, terrifying them with his fierce fury. For the Lord declares, I have placed my chosen king on the throne in Jerusalem, on my holy mountain. The king proclaims the Lord's decree. The Lord said to me, you are my son. Today I have become your father. So now he's talking about the Messiah who would come, Jesus. Here's, here's the nations rejecting God, going against him. And here's his response. He's going to send somebody, the Messiah. And now he's going to speak to his son here in verse 8. Only ask and I will give you the nations as your inheritance. The whole earth as your possession. You will break them with an iron rod and smash them like clay pots. Now then, you kings, act wisely. Be warned, you rulers of the earth. Serve the Lord, that is Yahweh, with reverent fear and rejoice with trembling. Submit to God's royal son, or he will become angry, and you will be destroyed in the midst of all your activities, for his anger flares up in an instant. But look at this last line. But what joy for all who take refuge in him. What joy for all who take refuge in him. He's talking about the nations here. You know, the nations are rejecting God and they will be judged for it. And individuals who reject God will be judged. But what joy for all who take refuge in him. This time of Israel being the chosen nation. What he's saying is, it's not just Israel who will be blessed. All who take refuge in him. God's kingdom is great. So look at the bookends of Psalm 2. Verse 1, why are the nations so angry? Why are they gathered against God? And then finally at the end it says, but what joy for all who take refuge in him. Here's the heart of God. People go against him. People reject him. He has sent his son to die on the cross to give his blood to draw them back. And now, look with me, if you will, at Revelation. Revelation 5, verses 9 and 10. We looked at it last week. It's page 715 if you're in this Bible. And this is what follows. Remember what Jesus said in Acts 1.8. He said, but you will be my witnesses. He says this to his disciples. You will be my witnesses. And this goes to us also in Judea. In Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. Their mission was to be his witness, to point to Jesus, to all the nations of the earth. And then in Revelation 5, 9 and 10, we see this. And they sang a new song saying, Worthy are you, this is speaking of Jesus again, to take the throne and open its seals. For you were slain, and by your blood you ransomed people for God from every tribe and language and people and nation. And you have made them a kingdom and priests to our God, and they shall reign on the earth. God's mission will succeed. Amen. <laughs> Thank you, man. Amen. God's mission will succeed. And we looked at that last week, that God's mission is going to succeed. The question for us isn't, is God going to do what he promised he would do? He's going to do it. In fact, it's already done, really. The question is, are you and I going to be involved? Are you and I going to get the blessing of participating in what God is doing? One of the things that has really stuck out to me, and I think to Callie and, and, and many of you here that have been part of what we've been doing from the beginning, is that we, as this church plant, aren't fabricating something. It's not it's up to us to be creative, to, to be creative to bring people to God or to, to make a work go. It's up to us to find out where the Holy Spirit is working and get involved. 
and join him in what he was doing. Common Ground Carson is going to do great things in Carson City and to the world. You know why? Because God's doing it. Not because of me, not because of any of us individually, but because of us responding to him corporately and collectively. God's doing something here in Carson City through Common Ground Carson, through the other churches. He's moving. And that's something that hit me is if I didn't respond, guess what? He was going to do it with somebody else. And he is doing it with others. So the question for you and me is we know what God's plan is. We know his heart is for the nations, not just for you. Although, how awesome is that? Jesus died for you. And I believe Jesus would have died if you were the only person alive. But he has a heart for the nations, people that don't look like you or me, people that don't speak our language. And in this, in this day and age with internet, with the airplane, I mean, how long did it take to get here from Ireland? 11. 11 hours. Our world is small. Our world is very, very small, which brings an opportunity and I think a responsibility. I think with the nation, the, the world, as small as it is now, we, we have a responsibility to be in prayer for the world, for the nations, but also to get involved where we see the Holy Spirit working. And so that's, as, as a church plant, for us, we want to be involved with missions, foreign missions and local, and we want to be very involved. And so one of those things we've been praying about is, God, where? Because our, our philosophy, we don't want to support a lot of missionaries. We want to pick a few and support them as much as possible, if that makes sense. Um, and so we know Ryan is one that we want to we want to join with. We want to participate with Ryan. Um, Kevin and Daniela are in the Czech Republic. We are going to be partnering with them also. He's going to be here in a few weeks. Um, and hopefully there's another one. You know, I, I'm thinking three is a good number. So if you know somewhere where God is working, where we can be involved and join his mission, you know, let, let me know. But we're open to what God is doing. But the first one God has clearly brought to us is, is Ryan. So I'm going to pray, and then Ryan's going to come up and share about his mission to Ireland. But, but here's what I want for us. Hear what Ryan has to say. And take joy in what God is doing somewhere else through somebody else. You know what I mean? Take joy in what God is doing, not just through you or me or, or us. Take joy in what God is doing, but then also listen, how would God have you participate? You know, this isn't a sales pitch. God doesn't need your money. You need to give. You know, I've said that before. God doesn't need you to give, but you need you to give. And we are going to be supporting Ryan, but if you also feel led to support in addition to, to your giving, and you feel that urge, then, then do. There's things on the back where you can participate, and I think we're, we're called to do that. So, again, it's not a sales pitch. Let's enjoy what God is doing. But if God stirs your heart, respond. Respond. Let me pray. Father in heaven, we thank you. We thank you that we can worship you. God, I thank you for your word. I thank you so much for your heart for the nations because I'm not a Jew. Um, and you looked at me and you chose to love me. Before the creation of the earth, you chose me to be part of your family. I don't know why. I know it's because of nothing I've done or deserved, but thank you. And God, my response and our response to your grace to us is we want to see your grace go to others. Father, and, and this morning, we're going to look at Ireland. We want your grace to pour out in Ireland, and we want to participate in it. We love you. We worship you. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. Come on up, Ryan, and share with us about Ireland.